0: Bum, 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 bum. Hello. Here we are. Okay, so I'm going to invite you to join me in a bit of spiritual practice right now, and as we we just keep dropping into this uh, this field. You know, um, I've been I spent a lot of time this week uh, working with uh, Dr. David Hawkins' work, and he's the one that wrote Power versus Force and um, whenever we expose ourselves to something that calibrates at a very high consciousness it affects us energetically whether we're, we're actively it's, something is done unto us and something that he said in, the, in one of his lectures I listened to was that the idea that force is that okay so you have a drinking problem and so we're going to lock you up or we're going to take your car away or we're, gonna, we're in some way we're going to force you to behave in a certain way and power is a whole different experience power is an energetic it's a field of infinite possibility. So I share that with you simply because we're not here about force, we're here about power. We're here about stepping into this energetic field of of what I would call unconditional love. And and Dr. Hawkins talks about that calibration, and I'll I'll share some of that with you today. But I'm going to invite you because the infinite intelligence within you knows what that power is. It's a field. It is a a vibration, it is an incubator of infinite possibility. And so when we, we move into that field, that's where instantaneous healing Takes place. As Dr. Joe Dispenza says, it's where the, the pattern unwraps and a new pattern can emerge. That's how people have instantaneous healings. So I'm going to invite you, as I speak that, I just want to invite you to be open to that and welcome that possibility for yourself. And just opening to that possibility in this moment doesn't mean that it may, may or may not be your experience, but to know that and to welcome that. And we amplify it when we do spiritual practice together. So with that said, what I'm going to invite you to do is drop into that spaciousness of your heart. If you're comfortable closing your eyes for a moment while we move into this space and imagine, think of something, a memory, a face, an idea, an experience, a, a, a beloved someone in your life that just loved you beautifully, exquisitely, that modeled for you not the idea of unconditional love but actually opened that doorway. And so if, if it, you have no memory in your life of that, it's your opportunity to open that doorway for yourself. Your higher wisdom self is here now. And in that, imagine your heart expanding with every breath, with every moment. The more we can relax in this, the more powerful it becomes. Because it is not forcing. It is revealing the power that lives within all of us. And so with that said, I'm going to invite you to just continue to bring yourself back to your heart when a thought interrupts you and something that is pulling you out of this exquisite and extraordinary opportunity of unconditional love. Just bring yourself back to your heart. Continue to expand. And as our heart expands with each breath, we connect with one another. We connect with the heart space of one another. And so our entire room is a beating heart. Of unconditional love and that heart extends out beyond these walls to people that come to mind for us that make themselves available to unconditional love to the entire world let us see this beautiful world in a cocoon of unconditional love that's how powerful we are and so let's drop into our silence if we forget get distracted just bring ourselves back to our hearts Let's begin our 30 seconds of silence. Your spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so what I invite you to know with me, and not just know with me, but I invite you to experience with me, this infinite loving intelligence that is everywhere present, that is awaiting with bated breath our next thought, our next Mm -hmm. instruction because it is always in service to us. And so may we continue to find ourselves in this sacred practice of anything that we no longer appreciate in our lives, any patterns, any habits that no longer serve us well. We can dissolve them into this heart of unconditional love, to give back to source, to be reprocessed, renewed, to transcend and be transformed, and to do it with love and grace and beauty, to know that the simplicity of spiritual practice is to decide what we don't want and what we do want, and to be about that business that there, it is never too late, we are never too old, we are never too young, we are never too deficient in any way, shape, or form. This is the only moment, and so we are in this incubator of unconditional love and possibility, and so that I know something beautiful and powerful is having its way by each and every one of us in this moment. I give thanks for ears to hear beautiful music, eyes to see the beauty upon the face of the earth, and to bask in the infinite possibilities that lie within us and abound all around us. For this I give thanks, I release these words, and invite you to say with me, and so it is. So I want to, um, I want to uh, if you were here for first service, I'm going to reverse our service because I want to do our practice first. I just want to try it out. So we had a beautiful practice, but I really want to linger in the practice, and the practice is rich and juicy and wonderful. And then I'll share some ideas. Let's see how that rolls this time. But don't tell the people that were here at the first service we did it the other way this time. They'll demand their money back. Speaking of money, Willie over here said, I said, Willie, I got a great idea. How about if you and Roxy and Jilly all write a check for a million dollars to the center and then we'll hang on to it and you let us know when we can cash it. And he said, I got a better idea. You write me a check for three million and I'll give you a million back. So we're in negotiations right now. It's pretty exciting. (laughs) So I said, Willie, as long as you don't cash my check and I don't cash yours, we'll get along just fine. But it does set the bar, doesn't it, Willie? All right. So I'm going uh, to invite you to just drop in and once again. We're already, we've already dropped into that heart space. And I'm going to invite you to simply close your eyes. And I'm going to invite Bill to put on some music. Now, this beautiful music is a chant. And let me set this up for you a little bit. It is a chant for the goddess. Oh. Akhun. And so it's a, it's a chant from a, a Yorbu mantra from Africa. And the Ak- a- Ashun the goddess is also known in Latin America as a benevolent spirit that reflects one of the expressions of God. It's a goddess of money, love, and happiness. She brings to us all the good things of life. So this is Diva Prima chanting a devotional chant to this beautiful goddess. And so I'm going to invite you to just drop into your heart again. It's no accident that you and I are here at this point in time. It's a time of infinite possibility. It is a time of transformation. It is a time of change. Thanks, Bill. It is a time like never before. So as we drop into the heart space, once again feel that heart space expanding, reminding ourselves who we are and whose we are. That everything that has come into our lives is a result of the consciousness we are. Our opportunity is to transcend, to rise above, and to transform and so I invite you to think about something in your life that is no longer serving you but has been such a blessing it may be an obstacle it may be a challenge it may be an experience of not enough not enough friends not enough love not enough money not enough health but all of it is a result of consciousness and we only have this moment And so to ask this infinite intelligence within you, this loving intelligence, what is it within me that is seeking to be healed? What is seeking to be healed? And to ask, and to just invite that answer, that awareness to know that as we ask the question, this infinite intelligence is in this very moment working to supply us with the information, the observation, the reflection, the contemplation of what that may be for us. What is longing to be healed here? How may I hold myself as more than enough? How may I establish myself in an emotionally healthy, a spiritually grounded and healthy state, continue to partner with this infinite divine intelligence to reveal something in my life that has never been revealed before, that not even the infinite, the universal intelligence understands or has seen to the delight and the wonder of spirit, of source, of God as well as to my brothers and sisters. There is no more sacred place on the planet where an ancient hatred is transformed into a present day love. How may I love all living things? All people, and especially myself. and this beautiful chant to the sacred goddess, this beautiful energy of fertility. For it's also the goddess of fertility in these beautiful traditions of abundance, of pure water. There's another quality connected to this beautiful goddess. Pure water, water of the purest form that nurtures. A planet that works for everyone where there's a transformation that takes place within us that is a, a seedling for the greater consciousness that we represent, where, where resources are used productively and effectively and that everyone has more than enough. That this idea of separation dissolves, first and foremost, within ourselves, that God and I are separate in some way, that Source and I are separate in some way. There is only one life. That life is God. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. That life is your life now. And put down the muchness of life. And so let us continue to bask and practice waking up in the present moment over and over again. And it's as simple as I wake up again here and now. I put down the distractions and the distress, the sorrow and the sadness. As Dr. Holmes wrote in the Science of Mind textbook, we have learned enough through suffering and limitation. Let us love ourselves, bless ourselves with kindness, self-compassion and joy. And let us know that as this transformation and transcendence takes place within us, we gift it to everyone else because we're connected and so I give thanks for this opportunity to be reminded of the truth of my being and to know that this infinite intelligence continues to guide me love me as I love it back and not in a way that I can describe it is indescribable it is an experience of the heart not an idea I give thanks for all the love that I've experienced, for all the challenges that have come into my life to grow me and to build resilience so that my love is grounded and true and powerful and transformative. That whatever I see around me, I know it is God being expressed individually by others. And if it is incomplete or in some way deficient, I know that it is not because it's infinite, is not available but in fact that we are, I'm simply, others are unskilled as am I at times in this co-creation process. So I bless my unskillfulness. I bless all of the qualities on both ends of the spectrum. The not enough and the more than enough so that I can live in the contrast and celebrate the more than enough with a wise and wonderful heart. So I know that this prepares me for next week as well when we, burn our flash paper the metaphor that what goes up in smoke is being transformed giving it back and making room for the greater yet to be for this i give thanks and together we say and so it is So what happens, uh, I'll just try and describe a little bit of this. I'm having a little trouble finding words right now. Is that this presence that Dr. Holmes identified, and he's such a beautiful, beautiful thinker and man, it's immersed in us. It's a present moment experience. So last week I talked a bit about recovery, that we have to recover to ourselves. The authenticity is to own ourselves. And, and, and our survival throughout life has been that we have to give up in order to fit in because the people that we attach to, the way that they would parent, would tell us that, that w- we have to give up some of our authenticity, some of ourselves, so that we can maintain the attachment. And it wasn't done out of bitterness. It was just simply done out of ignorance. So to, to love that, and um, you know, my parents had all of them, That someone was sharing with me that last week about how her mother said to her, well, of course I use shame on you. It was the best tool I had. And so what happens with shame is that it, it, it diminishes our authenticity because it, in, in a way as a tool to, to get us to, to, to behave or to fit in or to be less of a, a challenge for our caretakers and our moms and dads, there, there just wasn't a comprehension or a skill level that could, could navigate that well. So a lot of us had that experience. So was, but we are in this this life that our opportunity is that that each one of us is a unique, individualized expression of the one. And that can be so esoteric because then the muchness of life takes over. The distractions and the, and the challenges with relationship with self and others. So Dr. Holmes wrote this beautiful textbook, 1926. A very eclectic reader. He drew from all the great traditions and, 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 and distilled it down to a commonality. And he studied with a number of great thinkers as well. There's was a, quite a, an expansion of consciousness and a revelation of information in, in uh, the, the years that he was doing this work. It sort of bubbled up and, and, and all at the same time as many times the, the consciousness is ready. And so in this second chapter of the book, I want to touch on this a little bit about, because it's, it's a very high-level approach to what he's talking about. It can go in any direction. And I think he defines it so well in here. I want to just uh, uh, touch briefly on this energy, unceasingly seeking an outlet, Uh, it requires receptivity and the the power of belief As, as the great teacher Jesus said it is done unto us as we believe so those are simple, simple things but they're so true So, number one, energy unceasingly seeking an outlet. So it is constantly looking for, it's like water. When I was a carpenter, we used to use a water level for long distance. So we would take a garden hose and we had a clear plastic tube on either end. And we would fill that up so that you could see a bit of water on each end. So you had to be, you know, you could always drain a little water. But you would have some water showing in the clear plastic tube at both ends. So someone could be 150 feet away. Say we were doing a, a fence line. And we would hold the mark on the one end, and then you would drag the garden hose over, and you would hold it to the other. And that water would find its own level. It just did it, because water will do that. And so then you could take a pencil and mark at the other end, of the, at the post at the other end, and they would be the same elevation. So it's called a water level, but there, there, there's no... That's, it's science. It's just simply water finds its own level. And so... It's the same idea with this principle. It doesn't discern. It doesn't discriminate. It works for all of us equally well. But there's things that get in the way, such as the, the karma or the, the things, the history that we carry with us, and, um, as well as the calibration of consciousness, So, Dr. Holmes said, there's a universal mind, a spirit, an intelligence that is the origin of everything. It is first cause. It is God. This universal life and energy finds an outlet in and through all that is energized and through everything that lives. There's no spot where God is not, as my teacher used to say. And so that's lovely to know. And so, but we forget that. When we forget it, we feel like we're alone or separate or something is against us. So it's very easy in the narrative of our lives to make somebody else the matter with us. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, somebody else is the matter with me. And that's just simply our meaning making so that we can survive. It's not true, but it's true for us. So quite fascinating, isn't it? So energy is constantly seeking an outlet. And it requires, this energy requires receptivity. So when we're living in separation, we're not as receptive. So, when you have a challenge, the first place you go within and say, You know, I don't know, but something within me does know, and I am impressing upon this infinite intelligence to guide me, direct me, and inform me what is my next step? What wants to be healed here? So, it becomes an, an intelligence uh, form of, of inquiry. So, if God or this source is to interpret itself to us, to humanity, it must interpret itself through us. It can become power to us only when we recognize it as power. And so part of this this journey is developing more and more of that relationship and inviting it into our experience. Therefore, our belief sets the limit to our demonstration of a principle which of itself is without limit. So if we find ourselves living in limitation, it's not a a problem. It's not that we haven't done something wrong. We just simply have not developed that relationship to to its fullest. And that's ongoing. That's never over. But isn't that kind of good to know? We're, we're works in progress. It's not a bad thing. We're all in this, we're all in this together. But when our, So when we interact with this, so when we ask the right questions, has anybody ever been here, been married, or been in a relationship? And have you ever had a problem in the relationship? Never, right? Well, some have. Thank you, Rhea. I know that you've never had that. that surgery. I'll explain it to you one day. If you go into the power of decision, I'll explain it to you in that class. You'll love it. Anyway, but the, how does it work when you're, you're having a, a dispute with someone and you start blaming them and pointing your finger? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it doesn't take us anywhere, does it? So there's something, there's, there's, a, there's, a, more, uh, there's a more sophisticated and wiser way to be in communication. You know, you could say, what do you need from me? What do you first of all? What do you need? What is the need here? And then, what do you need from me so that we can help fulfill that need? See this collaboration. So, we, could we not say that to Source? What do you need from me? What wants to be healed here? What is going on? What is? Why is this irritant shown in my life? What is there for me to know about this? What wants to be transformed, healed? This is the way life is. This is the, When we get and and, and we get more uh, comfortable with this, is a, a pattern all of a sudden life takes on a whole new dimension. It's quite freeing. So if we, we move into inquiry rather than accusation, it's, it's quite a, a liberating idea. Oh, look at this, look what's showing up now. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. I'm just saying. But it requires that level of understanding and groundedness and our own developmental stages. So it requires our receptivity. It's also the power of belief. We cannot recognize that it is while believing that it is not. Hence it is written, they entered not into because of unbelief, which is right from this chapter. So it's the field, it's this energetic field. So with Dr. David Hawkins, he was describing this. He wrote the book Power Versus Force. I explained a little bit of that. And he uses the example in one of his lectures about a man named Roland. So that any 12-steppers here, you'll, I think you'll probably know this story if you've done any of the, the reading. But in the 12-step program, it, they, for years and years and forever, if you, you had an alcohol problem, you had an alcohol problem. You didn't get sober. You didn't get better. This just went on and on forever. If you were a drunk, you were a drunk. And so Roland went to Carl Jung, and Roland was, a, was a, a bad drunk. He just couldn't stop drinking. So he went to see Dr. Carl Jung in Switzerland and says, I need your help. And so he had a, he had a remission. He stopped drinking for a while, and he went home, and, and then once again he had a recurrence of his drinking problem and went back to Carl Jung. Carl Jung said, I can't help you. Neither my science nor my art can help you. Now Carl Jung, according to David Hawkins, calibrated at about 520 in his, he has an arbitrary way that he does muscle testing in power versus force. There's a whole calibration chart there. It's quite fascinating. But the calibration of love starts at 500. The calibration of unconditional love starts at 540. And so he's done all this muscle testing. He could take Science Mind textbook. He'll take Sacred Text, tell you what it calibrates at. Uh, so what, what he said in his own muscle testing is, is um, um, <clears throat> Albert Einstein calibrated at 499, as did Sir Isaac Newton. So, science stops, the intellect stops at 499. It doesn't enter into the realm of love. And so, what he says is that love is not an idea that we express. If, you can ex- if you're talking about love or describing love, you're not in it because love is indescribable. The intellect can't, it can't do justice to it, it's an experience. It's an experience. And so, when Roland went back to Carl Jung and he said, I don't know what to do, I can't stop drinking. He said, well, there have been people throughout history that have been, had a cure, but it's through a mystical spiritual realization. And not a whole lot. Some people find a spiritual tradition, and all of a sudden, they, they slip into it for some reason. But he said, I can't help you. So Roland went back, and he went home, and he, he, he attached himself to the Oxford Group, which was a precursor to AA. And he eventually had his own spiritual experience. And if you read the 12-step material, and I've done a lot of fifth steps with people, It is about having your own spiritual awakening. But it's a calibration. We don't think our way there. We don't force ourselves there. We open to the power. This is why it's such a beautiful fit for for what we do. I talk about a beautiful conversation about affirmative prayer. One of our foundational pieces is affirmative prayer. And boy, when you're working with a practitioner that's calibrating above 540... You walk in the room, you know something's going on. It's like, oh, my gosh. That's why I wanted to do this spiritual practice with you before. Let's raise our calibration to, to, to 540 or beyond, which simply means unconditional love. So don't let the numbers mess you up. I don't want to confuse you. It's an arbitrary scale. He would do the, the muscle testing, and he would ask, his, he would ask a question, and a muscle test. And if it's true, it would be strong. If it wasn't true, it would, it would weaken. Same thing happens when I go to a chiropractor. So Dr. Hawkins perfected this method. And he was quite eccentric, quite an interesting, fascinating man, but his his material is really, really solid in terms of his own perspective. He was a a mystic as as Dr. Holmes was. We've had these beautiful mystics that calibrated such a high level of consciousness. So enlightenment is at at a thousand. Most people are around 200. The majority of people are at below 200, which is shame and guilt. And all the negativity, there's just not a whole lot of life going on there. And then when we get above 200, courage starts kicking in. Possibility starts kicking in. And it's a continuum. So how do we create this container of unconditional love? Because that's that's when an instantaneous healing can take place. That's when miracles happen. So it's not about mystery, superstition, deserving, not deserving. It's really about creating the container for that to happen. And I love living in the container. I wanna live in that container and practice it more and more, so I'm gonna practice. So how do I practice? Wake up in the present moment over and over and over again. In order to do that, as I shared last week, I've gotta recover myself, That things I've had to give away as a kid, because the people that cared for me gave me everything they had, but some of it diminished my own sense of authenticity, which is to belong to ourselves. Because when we belong to ourselves, we belong to source, to God, to this infinite presence. I'm not talking about the ego. I'm not talking about the personality. Ego calibrates real low, so I'm not talking about that. We all have one, and it's wonderful. But when we start to ge- generate that, that, that field of infinite possibility, it's indescribable. And then we don't have to... You don't have, As Ralph Waldo Emerson said, who you are speaks so loudly I can't hear a thing you're saying. And he was a tremendous influence on Dr. Holmes. So you know when you're like like uh, David Hawkins said, you go into a recovery room and man, it's vibrating at 5:40, and somebody comes in and can't stop drinking, and they go, "Whoa! You're not selling them anything. You're not convincing them of anything because they're having the experience. they're having the healing right there. This is our possibility. This is our opportunity." This is who you are. This is who I am. And it's not, it's not to, just for us. It's for everyone. So I have this wonderful story I shared with it. I've been doing some Facebook posts because Angela, our marketing person, said be on Facebook, let people know what's happening. And so at uh, 10 o'clock service, we, we do Facebook Live and we ask people to share. So when you're here, when you're on, you go home and you're going to re-listen to this, share it. Please share it. Just click it, share it. Let's, let's let people know what's happening here because there's an energetic in that as well. There's a vibrancy in that as well. We want this for everyone. We want this for the world. So in this beautiful book by Mark Nepo, and I love him. If you've ever read his other book, uh, um, uh, A Year of uh, a Book of Awakening, oh, it's a treasure. This one is called More Together Than Alone: The Power of Community. So why do we gather? Because there's a potency. There's a potency. If I was here doing this by myself, I would have quit ten minutes ago. <laughs> I would have. I'd go down to A and W and have breakfast. Maybe not, but probably. So he, I, I, I quoted this paragraph last night as, a, as sort of a teaser for folks. It's, it's on page 176 in this book, About to, to Wake. He says, In every generation there are those who voice the undefeatable song of humanity... And those who shout down everything that is different than they are. So we have one that stands up and says that we are humanity and we're undefeatable. And another that shouts down anything that is unlike what they are. Because if you're not like me, there's something wrong with you. Anybody ever had that experience? Maybe you you do that. And if you've got that mastered, good for you, you don't have to do it anymore. It's perfect. Anyway. In the midst of such shouting, it takes a certain kind of persistence to listen for the unspoken essence that keeps all of us connected. So there's a vibration. There's a language that we're all connected. I want the best for you, man. You go, because you're my sister. You're my brother. And your good doesn't diminish my good. There's more than enough. I hold life as more than enough. So anyway, it's that language. And it's a feeling tone. So Carl Jung, and I love, he's one of my heroes. In this regard, Carl Jung spoke of artists as those born with an inner persistence to listen. Jung thought of artists as lightning rods of the collective unconscious. Souls who often, without choice or awareness, carry the rumblings of the collective human story through their innate openness. That's our tribe. To listen, the innate openness. To look at the world and all of its chaos and all of its its confusion and, and, and combatants. And to be able to just look at it and say, this is, and this is God too. This is people just simply expressing their God nature, their Godhood in a very unsophisticated way. And to love them anyway. To look at them like, I love you anyway, man. I know you're on your journey and I know you're waking up and I'm waking up too. And thanks for being a trigger in my life. Thanks for being a, an irritant in my life to wake me up and, and model for me what I used to be but no longer choose to be. Then we don't have to take anybody apart. We don't have to build any walls, you know. I mean, if there was truly, if we were really committed to this, if we were in this energy, we wouldn't put all this energy into building a barrier. And so, and some are for it, and some are against it. You gotta have, you gotta have, you gotta have order in terms of people that want to come into a country not come into a country. But the greater question, as I've thought about it, is what causes these people to leave their homelands and walk all those miles? flee something what is the first cause of this why are people fleeing their homelands so if we have because the resources are there you're talking billions of dollars to put up a barrier and and you got to have some system I'm not saying build a wall don't build a wall I'm just saying how about if we address the first cause what if we say you know what there's something going on in this system because that system is failing and people are not able to provide for themselves or their families it's uncomfortable so what if we went down and said can we help you how can we help create a vibrant, beautiful community here for you? You have gifts and talents. You have resources here we don't have. Why not? I mean, just, just thinking. To me, that would be leadership. But it's so much easier to get into that, 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 that amygdala of the brain and make someone them. And they're the problem. And then we, what do we get triggered? Our fear gets triggered. Our lack of limitation because there isn't enough. So, but if we look at it through wisdom, we can understand it. It's it's not a lack of resources; it's a lack of awareness and consciousness. And so, when we understand it, then we know what we can be about. I want to. So, how do I contribute to that? I want to hold my life as more than enough. Whatever I got, I want to love because I, what I have in my life right now is a result of my consciousness. And I'm not stuck. I'm a work in progress. I'm a work of art, and you are too. And we're on our way because we know how to do this. What we don't want, we give up. What we want, we, we embrace and welcome and develop it. Pretty simple, right? Let's go do it. All right. So here's a, uh, an illustration of some art. So I want to continue with the story. So what Mark Nepo says is he and in his... In his um, partner went to the New York City Museum of Modern Art, and they saw four works of art. I want to share these with you real quickly. The first one is by Marcel Duchamp. He died in 1968, born in 1887. He created a piece in oil and pencil called Network of Stoppages. It depicts an aerial view of a vein-like system noting the stoppages of flow throughout. It's unclear whether the system is a snapshot of a human being's heart or brain or a city's water system or a nation's compassion. But clearly, Duchamp foresaw blockages within us and between us that would swell to plague us and prevent us from knowing ourselves and each other. So here's the, here's the first work of art, and that's called The Network of Stoppages. Then they moved on. They stumbled upon a canvas called The Extinction of Useless Lights. This was painted in 1927 by Yves Tangay. He died in 1955. He was born in 1900. As if in answer to to Duchamp's network of stoppages, Tangay's stark image calls out from a dark urban landscape for us to extinguish the distractions so we can see where the stoppages are and loosen the restrictions, the flow of life and thought that connects us. So in other words, where are our triggers? Where are our obstacles? Where is it that we live in separation, that you and I are different? that your good is taking away from my good, that i got to compete with you, that there's not enough. All of those things are very popular ideas. So here's this beautiful artist thing. Here it is, this desolate landscape. And it's, it's hard to see out in great detail, but you get the idea. The next one. It says, the next is a, stri- a striking painting called The Lovers, created in 1928 by surreal- surrealist René Magritte. 1898 to 1967, it shows two hooded lovers... Kissing through their hoods. It powerfully depicts our struggle to be intimate while hidden and conjures the numbness of modern life in which we're always there but seldom present. Interesting. This stuff was, you know, these artists. Artists are just, you know, the artists are the ones that listen and they, they convey to us what, where we can get stuck. So there they are. You ever done any kissing with a hood on? Not me, I never thought of it, but it's really about this idea of how, 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 how so afraid we are of the intimacy in our conversations, in our lives, and to be vulnerable. And when we understand who we are, it's like, this is who I am. No, I don't like who you are. Well, that's not my problem. That could be something within you that sees something in me that you don't like. No, as, as Terry Cole Whitaker said years ago, who, what you think of me is none of my business. Have at it. Hallelujah is right. Boy, because try and fix that. Try and fix somebody who doesn't like you. What do you need me to become? (laughs) Elvis Presley had a song. uh, Gabor Mate talks about it. He said Elvis Presley had a love song. He says, I'll become whatever you need me to become. He says, it's not a a love song. It's one of the most depressing songs you'll ever want to hear in your life because you're willing to give up everything you are so you can have a relationship. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, exactly. But it's good to understand it and not do it anymore. So then, the final one. This brought us to a jarring sculpture created in 1936, just before the outbreak of World War II, by Jacques Marcel, 1900 to 1993, called The Spectre of the Gardenia. The sculpture depicts a plaster head covered with black cloth with zippers for eyelids and a strip of movie film forming a choker around its neck. Here, Marcel, in an eerie premonition of the Holocaust, seems to say, if we succumb to the false lights and stoppages, if we resign ourselves to love while hooded, the only way to survive the monster of modernity that we've created will be to close our eyes with zippers and to cover our throats with film. We have done this in a dramatic way. Consider the refusal to accept the Holocaust and other genocides. Consider the escapism of reality TV and the dull narcotic of shopping. Recall in the wake of the terrorist attack of 9-11 when President Bush urged frightened citizens to get out and start shopping again. These, here, and here it is. So the zippers for eyes, and it's really hard to see. You can see the zippers up there. There's some film wrapped around the neck. So it was very hard to translate that, but it's quite fascinating, isn't it? As, As Mark Nepo says, these precedent works can be read as reflections of our growing isolation in the modern world they sharply diagnose a world turning in on itself and together they point to the dehumanizing ethos which now has a life of its own that muffles our natural our natural harmonies and human nature I don't offer this as a dark view of the world, but as a way to confront how we choke our human garden again and again with social disruptions and how we need in every generation to prune back the tangles we create so that beauty and compassion can break ground again. So there's practices to do this. Dr. Holmes had this quote in this chapter. He said, and so great is this power, so complete is, is our freedom in it, so absolute the dominion, domain of law through it that the misuse of this power has brought upon us the very conditions from which we suffer. So all the pictures that these artists have depicted is the misuse of the law or a diminished use of the law. We're all using it in some ways. And, and So what's the practices? Well, one of them is to have something you can hang your hat on, something that brings you back. Gratitude, love. Gonna, you know what, I'm, I'm making t-shirts up. I'm gonna, it's gonna say 540, I'll meet you there. I am. I love that idea. Why not set that as a bar, 540? I'll meet you there and we'll say unconditional love on the back. We'll be running around town. We'll be selling 540 T-shirts all over or giving them away. Who knows? I'll send one down to Donald Trump. Who knows? So, with a, so here's a Buddhist prayer. So with a boundless heart, should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness all over the entire world? This is very similar to David Hawkins. He said, what's the path? He said, love all living things and all people, and especially yourself. Oh, I can love others. I just can't love myself. I know myself so well. I'm not deserving of love. Stop it. Put that down. That's the intellect. Just go into the field, 540 or higher. Paramahansa Yogananda, his prayer towards the end of his career, God, 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 God. That got him there. Rumi said, love Through love, all all that is bitter will be sweet. Through love, all that is copper will be gold. Through love, all dregs will turn into purest wine. Through love, all pain will turn into medicine. Through love, the dead will all become alive. Through love, the king will turn into a slave. Rumi knew love. He He was a lover of God. He was an ecstatic. Rumi was doing this long, long ago. Ernest Holmes there's only one life. That life is perfect. That life is God's life. And that life is, it should say, my life now. Because it is God's life, but it is our life now. So what is ready to, res- to be released, to be dissolved, that will reveal your new life? Who have you come here to be? What trigger? What limiting pattern? So next week, if you join us, we're going to bring our flash paper forward, and we're going to put it in that big bowl that we do every year, and we're going to light it on fire. The metaphor is going to go up in smoke. Not the Cheech and Chong movie. This is going to be just flash paper. Okay? You guys can do that afterwards. We always get what we need. So love, I love, this is my declaration, I love what I have in this moment and every moment. We always get what we need by right of consciousness. And may not be what we want, but it's what we need, and consciousness is always just like that water level. It's always going to be true to where we are. That's the beautiful thing. I'm not there yet. I got more work to do. That's beautiful. It's wonderful to know this. Isn't it wonderful to have this awake and aware tradition of ever becoming? And it's ongoing and it's eternal. This is why we've shown up here. And to model this. I've got a story here I don't have time to share with you. I shared it at the first one, but we did more spiritual practice, so you don't need more information. Just go for it. Just one more, preacher. How many, how many, how many sermons do you need before you implement this in your life? Just one more. Just one more. I'm, just one, I'm one talk away from it. I love you guys. I wake up to the beauty of life and the joy of being alive. I love everything and every living being, especially myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's say it together. Let's read it together. I wake up to the beauty of life and the joy of being alive. I love everything and every living being, especially myself. Woo! Boy, that is good, huh? That should be in a book. What are you guys waiting for? Oh, here <laughs> one last One last slide I want to show you. I didn't share this at the first one either, but it's such a great slide. One of the great philosophers of all time, Dr. Zeus. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You, you can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know. And the only one you'll and you're the only one who'll decide where you go. Not beautiful? Yeah. Good old Doctor Zeus. So thank you so much for staying the course, being open to this, open to transformation, transcendence, possibility. It's why we're here. It's why we're here. Keep up, keep up the good work. Keep being you. Keep being the real you and, and and recovering yourself over and over again, waking up over and over again in the present moment. So powerful. See you next week. We'll 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 set the place on fire. But so it is. Woo!